Welcome everyone. Welcome everyone to another week with your host Mordechai Weinberger on the JRoot Curve Radio Questions and Answers. Um, dot com, I should say, jrootradio.com. I'm over here in the studio with Harav Nissen, or Nissen as he likes to go under, which is a pleasure always having you. So the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. The last couple of days on my phone line, I have been addressing a topic that is almost very rarely addressed, but I see it so often in my office, and unfortunately, I usually do not take it as a case as clients because they're so difficult or it takes so long. I figured let's start discussing it publicly. Let's start creating an awareness, and hopefully with the awareness, we'll create change. And I got an unexpected storm of messages of people responding, and even just looking on the Lakewood Scoop, we've already got three messages all regarding the same topic. So not even being aware of what a certain topic has brought up, the, the people that are speaking out and sharing their stories are unbelievable. So let me share with you what the topic is. The topic is denial. Rav Nissen, we're dealing with people that come into my office saying everyone else is the problem but them. And this is in Shalom Bayes where a husband could complain, I come home and my wife doesn't have any time for me. And when you speak to the wife, she goes, he comes home, I'm in the middle of putting the kids to sleep, kids are in the bath, and he's going, doesn't, don't you see how hard I work? How many times I've got someone that sent a message, which I plan on reading, Merit Hashem, tomorrow on my phone line, where someone is saying that their husband has major issues, the parents were in denial, did not send them for help at all. And now that they're married and things are exploding, Baruch Hashem is able to communicate with her. However, however, what the problem is, is that... The parents are telling the wife, you're the problem. You're not machazik your husband. If you would do what we did, he would be better. When she asked them to pay for some of the therapy from the parents of this boy, and in that letter she wrote, they're married about two years, they said, no way, we're not the problem. It's since he married you. Denial. Unfortunately, we've got people coming in that are angry and pained. Children sometimes are going off the derech, and you got to speak to the parents. The parents are in complete denial. Unfortunately, many times that children that are having nervous breakdowns, as we call it, but they're not real, or teenagers, and denial, they won't look at their issues. How many times do we have people that are complaining in Shalom Bayes, and you speak, and you see clearly one of the sides are pained, but they don't see it. And when I discuss the word denial, we are not talking about denial of the classical word that we think denial, where a person sees that there's a blue pen, and they're saying, no, it's red. Denial means that the brain is under so much pain or so much stress that we now need to distort reality. That means, let's say I've got a broken leg and I need to run the marathon. Instead of me saying, I've got a broken leg and I am the issue, it's easier to say, you look how they're cheating. Or they practice for so many months and years. Or they're the son of the president of the jogging committee and that's why they're winning. Instead of saying that it's my foot. Maybe you're right. Maybe they do have a reason why they're cheating. Or not cheating, but why they're winning. Maybe they're more successful. Maybe they have more tools. Maybe they practiced more. They can be correct. However, if we don't look at ourselves that we've got a broken leg and we need to heal that, we won't ever get better. And unfortunately, how do we recognize people that are in denial? Number one, they're always talking about others. Number two, they're always complaining about authority. These are the people that complain about the Rabbanim. These are the people that complain about the Askanim, those that help out. These are the people that complain about the yeshiva system and the school system. Now, everyone can have an issue. I have issues with some of those systems sometimes, but we're not talking about sometimes. We're talking about all the time. We're talking about every speech when you talk to them, there's anger. 
there's always such pain and what's the big deal? And sometimes those that were that are in denial are exact opposite. Either they're exploding from pain or they implode, they keep it in. And these are people that are distant. These are people that can't touch. These are people that can't talk. These are people that everything is a secret. These are people that when you say something, they know how to get out of every single question. And I've got clients that come in, so how was it at, how was this week? Okay. Could you tell me something that went well? It was a good week, I told you. What was good about it? Uh, what wasn't good about it? Can you tell me some happy, something that happened this week? Everything is good, Bar Hashem. Okay, can you tell me a problem? Whatever Hashem does is always good. They're afraid to give a response, and they got to a level where when you ask them, let's go a little deeper, why do you want to go there? The ability to share an emotion, a, p- a pain, a happiness, this is a huge issue that I find is a festival on a very scary level. We're walking around pain for years. We are, Bar Hashem, getting married, but we still aren't learning how to deal with it. And either we blame others or we keep everything in. And then when the Rabbi Shalom, as he masterfully does every time, continues to give us the test and for us to grow, except each time the test, we get older, gets harder and harder, what happens is we almost start not being able to manage. And either we continue our process of denial and therefore we blame others and they really genuinely believe it. Or unfortunately, we start getting nervous, anxious with huge pains And we don't even know why. Headache, back pains, shoulders, neck pains, knees, all that many times is emotions. But to the level of denial, the people tell me, I don't know why I'm having this problem. All right. We've got a lot of people calling in. And again, just to remind everyone, the women, we will just call you by Mrs. or Ms. And then we'll go through the alphabet, A, B, C, D. This way we don't confuse anyone. And what's the purpose? Yeah. Okay. We have Miss H. Miss H. You're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Hello? Yes. Hi, um, I'm 16 years old. I'm in 11th grade, and I have a question. Well, first of all, thank you so much for everything you do. Your things are really informative. My and pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much. Okay, now my question is, um, I'm very, very into my notes, and I want to know if there's a problem, like as in if I had like a speck of like too much ink, then I would like throw out the paper and do it again. Is that like an issue that I have to deal with? Well, you tell me, because everything, when we go to school to learn to diagnose, they tell us everyone's got a bit of everything. Part of the ways that we identify if if it's an issue is, does it affect your life? means let's say you'll write half a page of your notes and then a little bit of ink got onto it. What would you do then? Write it again. You would, what? Write it again. Even if it's like a whole, let's say, park and chamesh, I would write it again. Okay, now let me ask you, why would you need it to be so neat or so clean? For me, like, I like it. I don't know. I don't really know why. Think into For it a myself, second. Close I your can, eyes. Or con- you got a pen know. and paper right in front of you? Um, hang on a second. Great. Um, yeah, I do. Great. And now make a huge circle going through the entire paper, like five circles. Five? Five. I'm just shooting okay. a number, so you could do two and I'll be just as happy. Yeah, I did five already. So. Okay, now look at that paper, and how does it feel to you? Um, it's garbage. Garbage. Now, why is it garbage? Because it's useless. Ah, now do you know what I can do with that piece of paper? If you would see how we write over here, everyone's name that calls in, do you know what we can do with a piece of paper that's got circles all over it? <laughs> I now, know. does that make sense to you in general in other areas of your life that you think in the all-or-nothing thinking terms? 
means either you get a hundred or it's zero. I don't understand. Okay, if you get a 98 on the test, how do you feel? Really good. You feel really good? Yeah. Okay, good. If you get a... uh, Let me ask you another question. If your room is a little bit of a mess, how do you feel? Dirty. So if there's... If it's very... if, If it's very messy, how do you feel? That I have to do like a spring cleaning. Okay, if it's a little bit messy. Then I'll just clean it. Okay. Now, does it bother you if it's messy? Could you go to sleep if it's messy? Um, yeah. Okay, good. So, so far we're doing two out of three areas. We're doing good. Um, what else? Where else would you say that you find that things are... And let's say part of the reason why I'm asking about messiness is if you would know the amount of times I hear people complaining of women especially in that because this is their department where if they have a little dishes in the kitchen sink, they can't go to sleep. And that's why I'm asking if your paper, that's why I was asking if the room is a little mess. And part of us, we want to be able to go to sleep when there's a mess. We've got an entire program. We've cleaned up this studio over here. It looks spotless, but part of my programs, a list of where I always keep the programs here, got cleaned up as well. But there's an entire program that I have that we need to know that we never will ever be done. So when I have a list of 10 to 15 things to do that day, if I accomplish about three quarters of it, that's a huge success. Now, that's my question I'm trying to discover by you. Do you have an issue all over, or is it just in one place that it's got to be perfect? Like, you got to complete everything. Um, I sometimes, like, if I would have a to-do list, then I wouldn't go to sleep before I finish it. But mm-hmm. not, it's not, like, I don't... Would you say you not. feel the same way about the, to, the to-do list as the same way you feel about the paper that's messy? Or it's got a yeah, little... It's, yeah, it's the same thing. Or like even let's say if I was thinking like in the future I'll say like let's say if I would have a recipe book that is not perfect then I would write the whole thing again or okay. like pictures like other Great. places. So let me ask you. It sounds more like a perfectionist and not to shoot diagnosis. Hashem, not at all OCD. So don't go into that level. Don't even think about that. But what I want you to realize is that how can we get you to change your view? That on that paper that's got five circles, it is so useful. It are so many tasks that can be completed with that paper. Number one, you can make a paper airplane out of that. Can you, Do you know how to make a paper airplane? Yeah. Good. Could you make it now out of that piece of paper? Um, yeah, I could. All right. So I'd like you to do that when we hang up and realize that purpose. If you want to write on the other side, the neat side. But you, then I, I can't. Right. So go into, start writing on the neat side. And what happens when you write? What are you feeling? I don't do double-sided. Oh, let's have you do double-sided. Go ahead, do double-sided. Just try it. What should I do? Just write on the other side. I'm talking on the radio. Dot com. Okay. How does it feel? Good. Now, how does it feel? Uh, garbage with Morton Gunnett. Okay. Now... When you look at it as garbage, can you explain to me why it's garbage? Let me understand your way of thinking. Why is it garbage? Because I'm going to write it over anyways. Why? Because then I can't, like, focus. Why? I don't know. Go go in there, go in there. See a a reading on something that's got a couple of uh, ink, a couple of stains of ink. That's the only paper. (laughs) This is the only piece of paper that has good. So go ahead, write on the side, the, the side that has all the circles, write, I'm on the radio. I'm talking on the radio. 
Let's take a second. Let's see what's. Let's see what you feel like. Let's identify the feeling. Nothing just happens because. Right. Let's go into realizing the underlying feelings, the underlying thought patterns that you got going on. So it's like fine if it's on this. I am going to throw it out anyways. But when it comes no, to no, like, no, I don't want you to throw this out. I'm even going to ask you to frame it. You are talking on the radio with this paper. This is a special, monumental paper. Sure. Sure. If you know you're going to be framing this paper and you're going to be looking at this, how would you feel with it? That I have to fix it. I'd have to do it again. Good. Now go into the thought about fixing it. What happens if you don't fix it? What do you feel like then? Messy. Ooh, wrong if it's messy. Um, I just can't. I can't deal with that. Good. Now, when we say, I can't deal with that, those are one of the blocks that in therapy we help you go further. So let's just see if we can go further. Go into that block. It's messy. Now, what happens to you when it's messy? Um, you don't want to know. I'm good. Go I ahead. don't know. And just be aware that you're, by the way, does your parents let you call? Because you're 16, so it's a bit that middle age where, would yeah. you, yeah, they'll be comfortable with you calling? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and go further. So you're, it's messy. What do you feel when it's messy? Um, I have to write it again. Like a feeling like as an emotion? Yeah. Do you feel bad? Do you feel terrible? No, not like bad. Just like. Yeah, define the like. I don't know how. Go, go into it. That's exactly what we do. Or we can stop here. In therapy, that's what we help the person identify. There's a certain feeling that if there's a mess or if there's a mistake, that that is the underlying cause why we need to be perfect. Or in this area, why we need to be perfect. Once we can identify the reason, then we can start seeing how can you feel excellent with yourself even when it's imperfect. I'm nervous. Ah, so you'd be nervous if it's not good? Mm-hmm. Good. What's there to be nervous about if your page has got a little dot of ink in it? Um, I don't know. Let's go into the nervousness. Tune in, feel that nervousness, and go, why are you so nervous? What can possibly going on if I have a blotch of ink? Why would I be nervous? I don't know. I just am. Okay. Is there a perception what a page has to look like? Did someone... Um, yes. My... Um as in, like, to what, I, what my capabilities are. Excellent. So you decided what your capabilities are, and that's very healthy, correct? I guess. I don't yeah. Know. Now, what happens if you raise your expectations, which is a great expectation, but to always? So let's say I want to get 100. But what happens if I always have to get 100? What happens then? How do you think I'm going to feel? Um, very upset when you don't. Yeah, could you imagine I'm on the radio over here and I always must have the right answer for everyone. Notice the always and everyone. How do you think I'm going to feel? Um, you're going to lose your money. You're not going to you're going to be fired. I'll get fired. Why will I get fired? Cuz it's not practical. Listen, don't listen to this, please. Don't fire me over here. All right, so it's not practical for me to always get that. Now, how will I be before I go on the program? Will I be excited and happy? No. No. How will I feel? Nervous. Right. Now, what would happen if I'd have the right to say, I just don't know? Or someone tells me, you're completely off mark. You were wrong. You would lose your, like, worth. That's right. 
But it's not for someone else. It's for me. I know. We're talking about me now. I'm on air, and I have to do it perfectly. But not, not of the opinion of other people. Not people the opinion of anyone else, just me, myself. I have a very high... You know, I think I'm actually pretty intelligent. And I won't know a question. <gasps> How will I deal with it? Um, I don't know. I could tell you. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. Now, when I was 16, I happened to have had a similar program that, like you. And I happened to have been very quiet at 16. Happened not to have done too well in tests. Because I always had to do so well. And if you'd speak to my parents, they would tell you how many times I missed yeshiva days of tests. Because I was afraid of not getting a good mark. A lot has changed. <laughs> but could you imagine you now, you're 16 with all those, all those things coming up? And you, in your opinion, only for you yourself, you have to do so well. Do you think you're going to be enjoying class, studying, taking notes? No. No. Now, how about you lower your expectation for yourself? And usually a behavior of follow-up would be that you would take a paper, make a couple of dots of ink on each of those papers, and write your notes the next couple of days on that to break it. That is more exposure therapy, behavioral therapy. And so I'd do that in school if the teacher talks too fast, and I would write it again at home. No, we're talking about not write it over. Leave it. I can't concentrate. Ah, all right. Then uh, we'll already need more like one-on-one -on -one to help identify more. I'm using it more because a lot of girls have this. A lot of teenage boys have it where they want to write and they want to be neat. And we're t we want to just create the awareness over here that you know how stressed it would be? How, many, how much time do you spend after school rewriting your notes instead of just being a girl tying up five lines in the house? A long time. Exactly. So do you know how not productive you are? Yes. Excellent. So the next step I would really recommend is just speak to someone that will be able to help you dig in and to help you change it. Sometimes teachers and schools can do that. Or if they have a guidance counselor and just two, three times, um, you can just identify and just even recognize where the program started, where you learned it's good to be, where you got this high expectation for yourself and how to change it. Do you realize it'll be better for you if you change it? Yeah. Excellent. Great. Thank you for calling in. Thank you so, so much. Have a great night. You're well, very welcome. I want you to know, very, very brave of you to be so open, to be so aware, and to share. Thank, Thank you. you. And first of all, what do you say to this? And you can stay on the line. We're not talking behind your back. It's just a thought no, that I have. You know, it's funny because uh, I, I know myself uh, quite a few people like this. And I know people that couldn't go to sleep if the, you know, the bed is not tight and neat. Uh, the shit is, uh, you know... Perfectly straight, That's and the, right. the, it's amazing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you cook? Do you cook? Uh, the, oh, uh, no. Because no. I know I know that people that cook and they, they don't like the result and just throw to the garbage. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is one of this uh, be perfectionist. Yeah, and we're talking about perfectionists, and we want to like just let go. It's 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 it takes work. It's not hard. But just know that that's when life starts being enjoyable. Now, I would like to use the beginning subject I discussed about denial and mm -hmm. sort of take this to here. There's something in there and you're just not aware. Many times the brain isn't aware because we're not tuning in or we might be or we're afraid to look at it because then we might have to change. But just recognizing that how much easier and lighter would your life be if you can just write the notes and just keep it that way. Much. 
That's right. How cheesy would it be? As Newsom said, if you can cook your supper and really enjoy it or the food and let others have it and never throw it out. I'll enjoy it more if it's perfect. Oh, no, you won't. No, you won't. Do you think we are perfect? You have to come here to see our yes. pa- page here. And every corner we have something else written here. And different and programs. It's, and, and it's a uh, it's, it's it's harmony. It's a masterpiece. It's, it's harmony. It's a beautiful to look at this because I can get in one shot so many different things that I can do and I have to do. And I see it. It's That's in my right. face. It's right there. And this is perfect for me. So just to We're give you... Were tying this into denial? Yes. I am uh, tying it into denial by you not being aware. Why do you need to... Why does you, do you need a paper to be so neat? That is a form of denial. Sure. Why don't you know? If you tell I... me someone will make fun of you, if you tell me because you can't read your notes after for studying for tests, that's one reason. But if there's a little blotch on it, why? There's got to be a reason for that. And after a while, we start rationalizing, saying everyone else is crazy. How could they do that? You're supposed to have a clean paper. And many times then we mix the Rabban Shlim into our issues and sort of saying, oh, the Rabban Shlim says you can't have a stain on your clothing, so therefore it also means on our notes. And many times when we have a distortion, that's why when, we, when people mix in, when people have sometimes an issue and they put the Rabban Shlim in, I usually have a Rav involved to say, is this a halacha issue? And once the Rav says, no, this is an emotional issue, then I tell them, so now we need to face the issue. I won't do this. We always connect with the Rav. I just need to say that clearly. Mm-hmm. All right? Yep. So the denial part is not being aware of why can't I just write on a dirty paper even. Or keep it, not neat. Right. Thank you, and Hatzlacha, Siyata Deshmaya, and continue growing. You're welcome. We have yeah. Miss E from England. Miss E from England. You're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Hi. Um, first of all, thank you very much. I listen to your lectures, and I enjoy them. Thank you. Um, there's one in particular that I listened to in the last few days, and it was about children, different kinds, different type of children. Oh, and the different types of natures. Yes. Yeah, it, it really helped me a lot. Um, and the particular child that you were speaking about was a child who is um, not so emotional and more logical. Yes. And um, it was Mamish sent from Shemayim because I was just having difficulties understanding this child, and I thought, uh, you know, my mind was racing, how can this child continue, how can he be, you know, um, on those lines, how can he be between people if he doesn't have, emo- you know, if his emotions are not um, developed enough. And then you just matter-of-factly said that there are these children that, are not so emotional and have, and you, you just said something about um, explaining lo- explaining their emotions to them logically. Yes. If, and, and you didn't really go into that. Is there something that you can tell me to um, explain me how you do that? Sure. Well, first of all, in your question, you've given away your nature. And that is you're a very um, emotional person. <laughs> Okay. And when you're emotional, and the Rabbi Shalom always gives us either a husband, if you're a woman, or a child that is not emotional, which means now we've got to grow and learn how to balance our nature. Right. So now what you're doing is you're being taught or taught how to train someone and how to respect someone that has the opposite nature of yours. Right. So now, what, I, what the Rabbi Shalom is really asking you to do, how do you explain something that's so clear to you, that's black and white? How do you explain to someone that is blind yeah, like what the that color... Bl- that's right. Um, that, like, I was wondering, but I have to say, like, okay, you know, when you're coming from a Levi, you're sad when you go to... Yes, you, know, you do. 
Sure. These kids will need a little bit of that explanation. It means, why were they crying? Because they won't have that person ever again. Yeah, but they could read a book or they could see a picture of them. And look, I know, but you know sometimes when you want to talk and you need to give them an example that will illustrate an emotion. You know sometimes when you're down and you just want that mommy to give you a hug and mommy to tell you it's okay. Yeah, well, they won't have that. Mm -hmm. Or many times, that's what they do in social skills groups. That's getting now more and more popular. What they do in social skills groups are they take kids and they start teaching them. This is how you behave in recess. This is how you behave when you want to ask a question. You raise your hand. You don't jump out of your seat. And that is training. That is a lot of role play. Right. And then do they not become like a robot? Like, okay, now I have to say this and now I have to. Now that is the fear. Notice again how emotional you are. How an emotional person you are. Just not, I'm um, not attacking you because that is my nature as well. When we have a certain emotion, we always go to the two extremes, which is, oh, the person has too much emotions, they're going to have a breakdown. To the other way, they have no emotion. So you're worried over here. Oive, if I have to explain to this person what emotion is, that means they have no seichel? Absolutely not. Or I should say, no emotional intelligence? Absolutely not. What it means is they have it, but in order for them to know how to use it, they need to be explained how to do it. Mm-hmm. So all you need to do is they have now books coming out right and left about when, my, when their two brothers and sisters are fighting, how do you deal with it? And you show it in an illustration. And then you explain it. So what they've discovered is that for all these emotional people and for a lot of, sorry, for all the logical people and a lot of the emotional children that get so emotional, now we can explain logically to them what's happening in their emotions and how to balance it. So both emotional children need those books and need that explanation and the logical child needs it. Each one for their needs. So the emotional child needs to learn to calm down. It's not that bad. You got a failure on a test and it's not the end of the world. And the logical child, you want to teach them, if you did not do well, that means you need to study to do better. Right. Mm -hmm. So yes, you want to explain it to them. And you'll see that the healthy emotional child, you might need to explain it three or four times, but the fifth time they'll get it. The healthy emotional child? I'm sorry, the healthy logical child. I'm sorry, I meant the healthy logical child. For the healthy emotional child, you're going to need to explain to them four or five times how not to be so concerned. Don't feel every time your Rebbe or teacher gets upset. It's okay if mommy gets nervous sometimes at night, as long as it's not like, you know, screeching and it's not abusive, but it's okay. Mommy's allowed to get nervous. You fight sometimes with your brother, so mommy could sometimes get frustrated. Mm-hmm. You want to te- and how would you differentiate between um, a healthy non-emotional child and a non-healthy non-emotional child? Like, when is it on the border of non-healthy anymore? Non-healthy is when you've got someone that is slapping a kid and the kid is crying and continuing to hit. And there's no emotion. They're, like, not identifying there's anything wrong with them. Do you know that you just hit your brother and your sister? So? But not so when you separate them and they're angry. We're talking about an hour later. They mm-hmm. go, I know, so but you right know what I... If you tell them, Right then, if you tell them you've slapped the baby and it was wrong... And, no, and that's normal kids are in denial. That's when they go, ah, it's not fear, and then they feel that like you're blaming. We say them You're not supposed to relax a person while, while, while they're in the heat of the matter. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how that's open in Perkyovs. Everyone knows those famous words, and yet we're busy yelling at our kids while they're having a fight. It doesn't work, and yet we continue to do it over and over. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much. And then just another question... And like also, thank you for staying of- up so late. Okay, let's do a quick because we've got a full circuit board all lit up. Okay. 
um, just the same, you know, the same kind of a child that's going to be very closed. Um, and, you know, you try getting things out of them and it doesn't work. Any tips on that coming from school completely? Most certainly. Anything? You're going to set up a list of questions because they will respond to questions. So tell me something that happened in the in the first half hour, 45 minutes of the day. Did you play? Did you learn Chumash? Did you learn Rashi? Did your teacher teach you whatever it should be? And you'll go through a list of questions. Did you play with any of your friends? Did any of the friends take away your toys? You're going to have a list of 30 questions, and a logical child will not have a difficulty with love answering that. An uh-huh. emotional child will go nuts. <gasps> you asked me all these questions already. Right. A logical child will feel great. And will tell mm-hmm. you yes, no, matter-of-factly. The teacher yelled at the class. Why? Because no one did, took their notes. Did you take your notes? No. Why didn't you take your notes? Because no one did. Okay, will you take your notes even if no one does it? Why should I? Well, because this way you'll get a good mark. And when we come home to study, you'll know it. Oh, I understand. Why? Okay, so what will you do tomorrow if the class doesn't take notes? I will take notes anyhow. Why? Because this way, when I study at night, I'll have it. And then they got it. So everything is through logic. And if I ask him, like, were you upset when this and this happens? And he says, no. So then you might take out a chart of emotions. That's what we teach. That's how we teach logical children emotions. And for those of you that have internet with a heksha, with a filter and everything, you're able to get to, like, charts. Just put in emotional charts. And you can even download those pictures where they have a smiley face or a frowny face or people with different faces. And go, when you didn't do well, point to a picture that you felt. And they'll point to one. You go, oh, this is happy. Or, easier than saying it that's so right point to it. that's mm-hmm. right and now you go so now this feeling is sad so say sad sad okay so if i'll ask you tomorrow or later what did you feel i felt sad and that's how we teach them words even older child even a 50 year old man i do that with 50 year old men i have an entire room in my office or uh, not room it's really one wall which is more play therapy and it's not play therapy like they need to to play, it's that we're able to use objects to feel their feelings. So say, when you're angry, what do you feel? Or what do you look like? And someone, I have this huge dinosaur with big teeth. And I go, what's that? And they go, it's like, I go, is that anger? Is it this? Is that? Yeah. It's like you want to bite someone. Yeah. So that's anger. That's fury. And you can put words with it. And then they get the new words to the language. So we're able to identify feelings through objects. And then I help them name it. Mm-hmm. So there are many people that were raised in families where emotions aren't expressed or identified, and they still, if we don't learn it, we'll never know it. Right. Okay, thank you very much. That was very helpful. Excellent. Thank you for the question. Again, thank you for staying up so late all the way from England. Arvnissen, who next? Uh, Mr. White, Yitzchak. Yitzchak, you're on with Mordechai and Nissim. Hello, Yitzchak. Uh, hello, Mordechai. Yes. Okay, it's me. You hear me? I hear you loud and clear, my friend. Okay, first of all, I would like to thank you for helping uh, one of my family members. You did a terrific job. And the person you helped um, made a 365-degree turn, and we thank you from all my family. Wow, I am humbled to be that right, Shliach. Thank you for telling okay, me that. Okay, this is the first one. Okay, now, the next thing, I, that's, that, now it's about me. Um, I, I, I need to give us. Whoops, hello? Hello, hello. We just got disconnected. You know, it's a call right back. And Shmuli. You're on with Mordechai and Rabbi Yitzchak. Call right back and we'll take you right after Shmuli. Yes, Shmuli, you're on with Mordechai. Yes, hello? Yes. Okay, I don't have a question. I just want to thank you so much for your... For your um, really, your line is really, really enjoyable and knowledge. What um, I didn't experience before, 
And I want to really give you a big thank you. And I tell you, I want to tell you words of Slocha with Jeff and Shemaya for the future. Amen. Now, let me ask you a question if you're on the line. I'll share with you a little doubt that I have. And I, I, we know Rabbi Yitzchak is back. We'll go to him. But let me ask you a question. And this yeah. I mean with all sincerity and with honesty. I see, again? I, I'm asking you a question out of real sincerity, that a question that I have. And this, maybe I'll even like to hear your opinion, especially as well. This is more, uh, I would almost call it therapy for me. Okay. I sometimes sit in the room with many therapists, and I'm amazed at their brilliance. And I'm amazed as to how deep they do it. And sometimes I wonder, what are people enjoying about me? Now, I know I can see things. I know I have experience. I'm not saying I'm not good. But sometimes okay. I wonder, what is so, there so, that I do? Is it that I'm just someone that's putting it out there, but others are better? Listen, um, okay, well, this is, this is one thing. What You give it out very, very good and clear. The second what, thing, what I thought is that you give a very positive, positive oomph for the, how the way you speak and the way you think. So that's a very, very strong thing, what I thought. You give very positive, very positive um, um, look out on everything. Thank you. That is true. So that is, is something I work on in my life also, and that's what I work all over, to have the positive outlook. And you give a very, very good courage and a good oomph for the day. That's Thank what I you. Feel. That is definitely something that I, I work on myself as well. So I could see how, when I work on myself, that would have. However, yeah, I'm but, curious your opinion. You have other therapists on, on the yeah. programs. First of all, I want to say, okay. But uh, I really enjoy your uh, program. And this this definitely, you know you know this. And I would say that uh, your program is one of the best programs that we, J. Roach Radio. It's only because we believe. I, w- I want to tell you what I yeah. feel. I feel that basically when we are in front of the, of the microphone here, it's not a microphone, it's a mirror for us to see what we're doing and how to uh, show the other people the way. That's, what, uh, that's all about J-Root and yeah. you, J-Root. And that's what I'm saying, that when you're talking to the microphone, it's not the, the psychiatrist or not the therapist that's behind it. It's Mordechai that's standing here and say what his opinion about the life and this is what what I love about it and that's what we 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 aiming about it yeah. this is the awareness and this is all the best the best radio show that uh, we like about it thank you i appreciate it cuz in my okay in so work- I thank you again and thank you thank you very very much and atzlochen for the future. Amen. Thank you. I'll share with you. In my inner work, I'm actually working on combining some different views of myself. And one of them was I was wondering sometimes, like, I know I have some information, I share a lot, but I was wondering why so many people are listening and the appreciation. And sometimes in my mind, I would equate myself to others and thinking, well, this guy might have more experience in certain areas. And why are people just, what's going on with this one? But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm listening to it, and I'm, we'll see. We'll let it grow. That's my inner work. Hearing it, I can hear it, but I know it's still not going in, which I'm sharing now with all the, you listeners. It's going to take a little bit more inner work, but it, I appreciate everyone listening, everyone calling in, feedback, and the concepts. Let's go back to Reb Yitzchak. Reb Yitzchak, you're on, correct? Yes, yes, yes. You uh, heard my first statement, yeah? Yes. That I want to thank you. Okay, yes. and, uh, you did a and then you stuff. had a question, a personal question about yourself. Yes, I am the most shy person on the world, probably, and the most um, I have stage fright above and beyond um, the normal average. And I need to give a speech for because I had some issues, and I need to give a speech for an amount of people. And I have no idea where to start to 
I, I, don't, I don't know how to do it, and I would like to know if you can give me some advice. I most certainly can. You know what's so interesting? I just asked the question, the guy before, what do people see in my lie? Oh, let's say with me talking that people see. And when you're saying you have stage fright, I'm listening to you, and also my mind is bouncing back to me. And let me explain to you what I'm referring to. You're saying you have stage fright. Do you realize that you're talking to several thousand people? I have no idea. No, I'm reading from a paper. That's, oh, that's, it doesn't sound like you're reading from a paper. Yes, every word that I... Uh, even this. Even this, that, even this word that you're saying now you're reading from a paper? Almost everything. Even this now we're talking about paper. So yes, if I'd ask every, you, what time is it now? Uh, <laughs> it's now about a quor, a quor, uh, tw 20, uh, 20 before 9. Excellent. Okay, and I would I, ask you I, something I else. It. Are you sitting or are you standing right now? I'm walking. You're working. You're walking. Walking, walking. You're walking. And are you walking on the street? No, I'm walking in my bedroom. Excellent. Are you making circles? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I'm uh, well, turning down, uh, up and down. Okay. So was that also written on a paper? No, but now I, I'm talking to you. No, hold on. No, you're not. And I'm I, I know. That is and you're talking to me also. Yeah. No, okay, that's that's the I I I I don't I don't see nobody. That's the point. Hold on, my friend. You've given yourself the answer. Now, why I was laughing was because as you're saying, you have stage fright and you can't speak publicly. You're doing it. No, Which, it's not publicly, and I don't up, see nobody. Public. Let's define public. What you call public and what I call public are two different definitions, and what Nissen calls public is also different, right? Yes, okay, that's right, probably. So now what you call public is in front of people actually standing there and looking at your face. That's right. What I call public is that people will hear you and people no, will No, that's know. not a problem. Now, notice that we're going to use those tools. Now, I'd like to share with you part of me. As you're talking and you're saying that you have a problem speaking public and I'm saying, wow, look how public this guy is speaking his issue and his voice is going to be recognized it sort of told me with a question that i asked people why are what do people find in me or let's say in this program that they're listening to i was just curious over others that people do that and then i'm thinking to myself well think about all the things you do do and i'm not saying i'm better than others but just recognizing what i am doing and i was laughing that when i asked it because i don't see it sometimes now let's take it to you that, 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 you're that, speaking that. public no, it's not public. Let's let's take one step at a time. You no. are speaking public. That means your voice is being heard by thousands of people right now. Okay, I'm I'm talking to you and probably the other guy who was there. Listen, listen, yes. and maybe my wife is listening on the other side of the line. That's, Good. That, that, now let's that's stop one. a sec. Okay. Now let's recognize you're speaking public. No. Wait, oh, hey, hold on. Let's go. I'm, let's go with my Hanukkah. Let's go with my world. Okay. You're speaking public. The benefit of beauty of radio is that you don't see who you're speaking to. That's right. Now, let's recognize something. If I could have you stand in front of that entire speech where you cannot see anyone, how would you feel? I never tried it, but I, I definitely am not going to try it. I didn't one step at a time, Rabbi Yitzchak. Take one step. Let's go okay. one step at a time. How would you feel if you would be able to speak in front of everyone and no one can see you or you don't see them? Uh, I, I, I'm not going to try it. I didn't ask you to try it. I'm just asking what would it be like? What would it be like? Yeah. I'm going to sweat. I'm going to shiver. I'm going to... Let's take a step back now. Right now, are you schwitzing and are you sweating? Oh, of course. Of course. My hands Good. are schwitzing and I am shivering. So let's do this together. Take three deep breaths. I don't have to hear it on the mic, but you guys will be able to hear me. One. Ah. Two. 
and then do a third one. In. Ah, how much easier is that now? Just three deep breaths. <laughs> I feel better, but... <laughs> now hold on. Now what I'd ask you to do is three more. So what you're really missing is just the basic tools, how to span, stand up and speak publicly that you call public in front of an audience. That isn't a special magical skill. Look, it's not... I it's not something their Bayern has you to be born with. I, I tried it once, and I stand up, and yeah. then I, poop, I fall, I sit down on the bench. Of step. course, and I would tell you that's how it's going to go. Now, how many times did you practice your speech? Uh, a lot of times. Now, and I many, was pre okay. How many times did you speak in that place before anyone was there? A few times, a few times. No, no. At, let's say you spoke at the hall, or let's say you spoke at your Shabbos table when no one was there. Did you actually practice speaking? No. Ah, step number one. Then we start increasing it with three or four people, and we try to speak in front of three or four people. Have you tried that? I tried it before, and I'm telling. I told you before. I, I, I stand up and whoop. So down. could you do it alone? So let's understand something. What I would tell you, my friend, is you're a phenomenal public speaker. I know you'll deny it, but the reason is because you're doing it when you're not afraid. When I'm not afraid. When you're on the radio over here with thousands Nobody of is looking on me. What, what's the difference? What's, what's the... And here's where we also... So after we teach a person the actual physical behavioral, we also teach the mental concepts. And that is that for those of you that know me, or those clients I share that many times, in my sessions, I imagine that I am not Mordechai Weimar, I have a whole different name. <laughs> so sometimes I can go with my kids, and sometimes people tell me, you know, you walk in the street, and the kids will say, you know, Tas, someone just turned around, was looking at you, and I go, no one knows what I look like. <laughs> they go, how could that be? I said, I'm telling you, in my mind, when I leave the station, or when I leave my clients, or even I could speak wherever it should be, and it could be hundreds of people, and then I walk around, and they have like a little buffet and I'm taking some food, I am 100% confident that no one knows that I am me. So, so you suggest that I should do this? I will see. We'll, everyone will do what's for them. Imagine you can get up and if you could wear a mask that you have the face of whoever you would like and no one gets to see the real you, how easy would it be? I think it's more than stage fright. It's, it's also shy. It's not, I'm not shy. Uh, it's I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it because I can't. I, even with the mask, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do it. That's 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 what that's that's what I'm thinking now. That what? Sorry, say that again. That's what I'm thinking. But even with the mask on my face, I'm not gonna. I, I can't do it. Uh, it's it's more than stage fright. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's stage fright, but uh, I don't know. I, I can't do it even with the mask. I, I can't imagine it even. I would ask you something like this: When you gotta speak, what are the thoughts going through your head? I'll make a mistake. People are going to laugh at me. What's the, what are the thoughts? There might be several of them. Yes, one of the thoughts. I'm going to make a mistake. Everyone, yeah, like, yes, one of, of course. All right, and each of those things are just issues that we work on in therapy or in public speaking that we help identify these points. And as, oh, you're afraid you'll make a mistake? We teach you to make a mistake. I still know that when I have clients that have extreme difficulties with making mistakes, I have them take, I usually have a cup of water with a little bit, and I have them spill it all over my carpet. They go, are you crazy that your carpet's going to be wet? I said, yes, it's probably going to stay wet for about two days. Now go ahead and do it. If they don't, I spill it. Oh. And then I have them do it. 
It usually takes two or three sessions, sometimes for some of them to do what we want to get the concept of making mistakes. And they laugh when I pour it. Oh, you, you know what you just did? You just spilled. And I go, yeah, and I could even do it again. No, 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 don't do it. I go, watch. We want to get the comfortability with making mistake. We want to have the comfortability of just not knowing something. We want to have the comfortability of people making fun of us. Do you know that there are people that actually say all psychology is a waste of time? And I told Meidur Rabbein Shalom, bench you to continue see, viewing life that way. Halavai, should never have a need for any of us. Okay. I hear you. All right, so this guy is saying, which is a great idea, we got a text that someone says, if you can please, he should imagine no one's there and no one's looking. That's in the imagination. Oh, okay. So when That's I good... speak, I actually imagine no one is around. I'm talking now to Nisim and to whoever called in. It's that easy. When I speak publicly, I usually have one person that I look at in the speech. That's what I just want to say. Go ahead, say it. You know, I want to tell you that uh, I, I don't know if you remember the first time you were public speaking, you know, and uh, I'm not the best in public speaking uh, at all, but with my uh, my English accent, very uh, <laughs> tough Israeli accent. But I remember that uh, for me, it's easier to talk in front of people because I can catch at least I and I, a person that they can talk to him, it's like uh, even then in the all you have thousands of people, but for me it's like you're catching a person and you talk to him individually and the other people it's like not existing and in the beginning. Then you can see and catch another eyes, but this is becoming easier. For me it's tough to sit in the, uh, in the studio and talk to the microphone that I don't know to who I'm speaking. That's right. Uh, and uh, I, now we're speaking together. But That's when right. I'm sitting alone, thank you. When we're speaking alone, it's it's very difficult. And you don't know the feedback. Sometimes a look of the eyes give you much better uh, positive feedback or a text on the line that give you the, the That's feedback, right. you know. That's right. I am so much more alive since I have Nissim over here in the room because I have someone to bounce it off. I have someone to work with. Now, Rabbi Yitzchak, I want to yes. have an awareness. Do you notice how much calmer your voice is now than when you started? I, I see it on my... Uh, I, I know. Yes. I, I'm not sweating anymore. <laughs> That's right. Now, take again now two deep breaths, and this is for everyone listening. That's why we're spending the time. I want you to realize how to do it. Now, take three, two, three deep breaths. And you'll notice how the sweating goes down. You'll notice yes, how yes. you're calming down during that. And that's why usually before a speech, you try to stay up on the stage... You practice your speech several times before, at least seven times. Okay. And if you say the actual speech that you're going to say seven times to your wife, and try to get even four people around, so if you have your wife, some of your kids to listen, you will see the fourth time how much easier it is. And remember, when we say in the Gemara, that means if you do something a hundred times, then you do it a hundred and one, it's not daima, because it's accurate. Here we're talking about four times to six times. From four to six is huge. From a hundred to 101 doesn't seem huge. I understand. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Now, hold on. See, he's so someone else in the text. Hey, tell Yitzchak that I am listening to his every word, and I know at least five more people that are listening right now. So, Yitzchak, well, you think no one is listening to you. People <laughs> are texting in that they are listening, and you got a lot of people. How nervous are you when you know people are listening? It's, it's probably another point, the, the listening, than yeah, the, the talking to them in public. Right. Now, the next step would be, so when we hang up over here, if your wife's in the other room, you can ask her to come out, and you can speak in front of her, or maybe have some of your kids, and practice. 
I, I should do that. Yes, uh, that's, uh, that's how you start public speaking, one step at a time. You don't jump. And uh, say the Dvar Torah that you're supposed to send to Sudash Lishit in Shabbos. Tell to your wife and your kids. Yeah, one, let's just go to some of the feedback that we got over here. Um, one thing which was nice um, that people find about me, that they find I'm very real, honest, open, and very human. And people accept that, which is true, and there's always a continue, um, you know, encouragement to continue moving. Um, someone going, you're one of a kind, don't compare yourself to other therapists. You have a unique combination of a golden heart and great brains. Okay, I'll accept that. Now, great. Um, I want to tell you the same. Appreciate is not the word what you do. I have no words. Speechless. You're wonderful. Um, thank you for those. Now, here's a nice question I'd just like to address because I'm a big believer in this. And that's can people explain, Can sorry, can you please explain what you think of art therapy, what it is exactly, and if it could help someone suffering from depression who has tried to talk a bunch of times to therapists, but it never opened up and is still suffering. Art therapy is a great process, like I believe in the sand tray therapy, in play therapy, like I believe in music therapy, like I believe in dance therapy, and that is expressing in other ways than our actual words. Some people are not verbal, and that's they are emotional, but they can't express it in words. So again, take play therapy, play therapy or art therapy, or let's take art therapy since you asked about that. They might ask you to color, draw your family. And then you'll use different crayons. You'll make someone very tall, a younger brother very tall. And they'll ask, why is he tall? Is he someone that dominates? And just from your drawing, you can get a lot. They might ask you, many times I've seen therapists where they start combining now three different types of therapy. One is a sand tray therapy where objects in the sand, art therapy. And then there are also like a tray of different words where you pick blocks. And one block, I've seen a therapist say, why do you have to spend 50 to to $100 in those block therapy? Just take a block. And just write on it, happy, sad, envy, hurt. And just ask the person to look at the words and just pick one of them. And then you bring it in. The point is you might not be able to say it, but you'll be able to take the object. Once you take the object, once you take the piece, then you can express it. So color therapy, art therapy goes with colors, goes with expressing which piece of art do you want to color and or draw on. And many times it can be colors or black colors, dark colors, sometimes it could be light colors. And you see as the person colors, many times they'll explain, like, tell me a situation that you were affected by, and then you'll start drawing the colors. You'll start drawing the situation. This person was here and this one was there. And then this person did that and they take out a dark color, they take out a light color. And then they color many times angry, sad, you identify different emotions to different feelings. There's so much to that. The point is it's not tell me about your day. And that helps a lot of people. Listen, what do you say about this? I tell you, because I graduated university, uh, part of this was uh, industrial environment design. Yes. And what part of the courses I took is art, painting, drawing, and sculpture. I'm telling you, I found myself many times when I had a good spirit, happy spirit or sad spirit, I was to take the canvas and just drawing on it. Take the palette, the colors, mix the colors, and I, I have a gorgeous, gorgeous, uh, beautiful uh, drawing and that most of them I lost, but uh, you know that it, it, it took me and make me calm down after I was putting this uh, painting or drawing on the, on the canvas. And this is, was my, my therapies 
And it's, you know, you, t- you talk about analyzed uh, therapies. Yes. But I, 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 I'm talking about something that really calm you down by uh, taking you create creativity and sadness, upsetness, uh, you know, emotion to the canvas and you can see it uh, forever. You know, this is, if you keep it. Yes. In fact, we've got someone saying, go art therapy. And then I see you responded. You're all the way from England, by the way, this question. I think so. That's what's coming up from the caller ID. Um, about how does it help depression? A large part of depression is when it's not expressed. We're sad, we're down, and it's bottled up. We don't believe there's a way out. The One of the main forces in therapy is first expression awareness and we can identify what is going on then we can start changing we can make choices but how many of us aren't aware i'm pressured i can't go to school i can't go to work what's the pressure is it money it might be money but there might be other stuff the boss isn't valuing you it might be that you haven't had a change it might be that you're overloaded with certain critical points so you might just say it's work, but if you can't identify the components, we can't change. The beauty of art therapy is as you color, what else is in this? So why are you picking that that color, that instant, that drawing? Why are you always picking a picture with a father and a son? Why are you always going to certain points? It helps you express and identify. Many times there's a lot more than just the two issues that you're discussing. So if you can express it in another way or help identify, the therapist would have the question to ask you, why is that pick color red? So you people, just give an example. Um, many times they'll ask you to take, pick five colors. You could pick red, blue, green, black, any color, and now identify red would be angry. Blue would be happy. Green would be sad. And then they'll tell you, okay, now draw different parts of your body, color it in. I've seen that in a cognitive behavioral therapy class for trauma for children. And I've taken that there. And they help children identify in their body sometimes where they had a trauma. What happened? And it could be their head number when they had surgery. And then all of a sudden it's black over there for pain. They go, oh, tell me what happened. So the kid wouldn't be able to explain. They go, I had a surgery. <gasps> you had a surgery. Can we draw what else you felt or did any other part of your body feel pain? And then they could do many times by their hands where they might have had the, the intravenous put in there. And, there's black. and then you say, now color the rest of your body. And then they have my heart. Like by the heart was blue, was love. How I was that? My mother would tell me it's okay. The nurse was so nice. And then they start expressing that. And once they could express it, you can heal. Sometimes they put colors in certain places where it's warning signs. What's going on? What happened to you there? And this is a way that kids can communicate that they won't know how to communicate. Even adults can communicate. And I'll share with you. I won't give any information, but I had a client that went through such trauma that would be in my room completely silent. They couldn't even do anything in my room, but what we had them do is they were able to type on my computer. I had to leave the room for the client to type. Then I came in, and then we had to delete whatever the client wrote after there shouldn't be on paper. And now at this point in therapy, that person's communicating and talking to others about the experiences that went through that they went through. So this is a form of art therapy where you don't have to explicitly say, I am coming in for this and this. And once the person starts opening up, they can open up the rest. As well as Harav Nissen said to... We can recognize our moods, listen to the music that we listen to. Music therapy works a lot that way. Either you play music, you discuss music, or you yourself. I have a friend of mine that was just, uh, I'll mention his name because it's for the positive, Mati Shannon, another therapist. And also that he uses like a drum set for different feelings that you're feeling and you knock different, different concepts. 
Um, I'm angry. Oh, why did you knock this one? I don't know the names of the, the the types of drums, but this is when you're very angry. This is when this, this is when you're that. And give me an emotion. They knocked, oh, what was that about? Was that in school? And that's how you get people to express themselves. And when they get into the emotion, and suddenly they can even let it out, banging, boom, 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 or on a musical instrument, they're able to express something they can't express in words yet. It might take five, six, or even 10 sessions of music therapy, of banging away playing, or playing a certain music, a certain song, over and over and over, until they can finally say what the music is representing. Again, all of this is meant for those that don't enjoy saying words that well, that aren't so emotionally expressive, how they can get it out. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll go. So NL. NL, you're on with Mordechai and Nissim. Yeah, hi. Yes. Um, uh, my question is like this. Um, first of all, thank you for your wonderful show. It's really great. I... I just started, like, my friend told me about it. I just started listening, and like, I'm enjoying it really well. Um, my question is like this. Uh, in class, no, in school, I, like, I don't know, like, something, um, like, I started just, like, failing tests, and I I know, like, sometimes I can, I, some, some tests I know that I know I failed, and some tests I, like, I don't know why I failed. Like, I, I thought I did really good. Hold on, because the sound wasn't coming out that clear. So let me just understand. Your your point is that you don't always do well on tests? Yeah. And and is this better? Am I talking better? Oh, now it's better. Yeah, now you're louder and clearer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. I'm not really... I'm not that... Not that I'm not good at tests. I'm just like some tests I know when which tests I like. I know I'm gonna get a fail. And some tests I know. I thought like, I'm gonna get a ninety-five. I thought I'm gonna get a ninety-five. So what you're saying is you're almost a little like someone like a mind reader, like you know the future. Like you feel before the test what you're gonna get. Yeah. Now let me ask you: Does your feeling about what you're gonna get on the test have to do with how much time you study? Uh, probably. Exactly. So let's recognize the more we study, most of the time, the better we'll do. And also, like, in class itself, like, I have this, like, one, like, few kids, like, that just don't want to learn and, like, like, they disturb and, like, I can't really, like, cooperate. So I can't, like, listen, listen to, to the rabbi or the... So you get daddy. distracted when other kids are making trouble around you. Yeah. Oh, I am just like you. I have such a hard time concentrating and studying when I get stuff going on around me, especially when they might be making having more interesting information than the rabbi has. Now, what we got to do is that's where maturity comes in. I would love to be off every single day of work and just enjoy myself. Wouldn't that be great? I shouldn't say that because I really love the work that I do with Avodah Sakodesh and I really appreciate it, but I would like to end probably after a half a day. I'd like to work every day till about 2 o'clock. Not the rest of the day. But why do I do it? Why do I stay focused? Because you know that's the right thing to do. That's it. Now, let me ask you, what can you do for you to recognize that even though it's hard, the ability to hold yourself back, that's power. Let me share with you an interesting study. I usually don't remember the name, so you can look it up however you'd like, but there's a study done 
I think it was in the 70s or maybe the 60s, and it was just revamped again, means it was done over again. And what that is means the study was as follows. They took like three, four, five-year-old kids, and they put them in a room with a candy or cake or pretzel, whatever it should be, and they tell them, don't, if you don't eat this donut or this candy, and I will be back in three minutes, and they show them to watch three minutes, you will get two donuts, double the nash. What they've seen in this study is, and it's an amazing study because they have now a 30-year follow-up from that. They show that the kids that were able to hold back and understand a greater reward, they've gone to higher degrees. Remember, let's remember in the Goyesha world, like the more degrees you go, it's like sort of the more studious you are. They were able to go for more degrees. They're able to be calmer people and more successful in business. The ability to stay focused and to hold yourself back, to teach the ability to hold yourself back. They were even able to train the children to do it, even those that had a lower number. Like they had less patience for that, they were able to go further succeed in life because this is a strongest side of self-regulation to want something, but to be able to continue going. It's adorable because I had one of my friends that put his, you know, today all the cell, all the smartphones all have a video camera. So he put it on the corner of the table, video, told his, I think at that time she was four years old, here's the donut, don't eat it. I'm going to come back in three minutes. And you got to see how these kids look. They touch the donut, they put it back, they start licking like the top, and they ready to take a bite. They take a little bite and then they put it back. It's adorable to watch. And he showed me his daughter for three minutes. It's not that long. But now let's take it back to you, adults, teenagers, and adults. If we can recognize the power of consistency, let's do it even though it's hard. Let's continue even though it's hard. We can be a great success. So now for you with a test, instead of becoming mind reading, oh, I don't think I'll do so well and start saying, blaming it on everything, start recognizing I just didn't study that well. Or I didn't listen that well in class this week. So yes, when I when I prepared for the test, instead of an hour, it took me, or I only did the hour that I study other times, I really needed an hour and a half because I didn't listen that well. It could be just that you didn't listen that well and you're not such a mind reader or, or fortune teller. And also, like, I, like, sometimes, like, I know I, like, and also I have a really small class, like, Every every little disturbance, every little word someone would say, like the whole class would like go, like uh, what's it called? Sorry, say that again. Also, I also I also have a uh, really small class, so like every little disturbance, like so someone would make, would um would, like disturb them. Okay, and that's where you might want to put more grounded things. So just to give a word out to you, not that this is you, but just the concept of uh, children that have ADHD or ADD, it means a lot of things get disturbed, but you can ground yourself. So I also get disturbed a lot. And when I have something in my mind, my clients all know on my desk, I have a little paper besides what I do digital, let's say in my tasks, but a little paper that when the thought comes in, since I want to stay focused with the client, I write it on a little paper, a little, you know, post-it note, just a thought. So after the session, I will then put it into the digital place where I have my tasks. But if my mind is busy thinking about something, I can't stay focused. So you might have a little paper right in front of you saying, stay focused. Don't turn around. Don't get distracted. Stay focused. And you might get distracted less and less times as you look at it. So what you're telling me to do is um, I should like put a, like, a 
something yeah, a like... little post-it or prepare yourself before class saying, I want to stay focused. Practice. You might tell the rabbi, you might tell the rebbe. If you see me getting distracted, just say Chaim and like stay like Chaim here. And that will be a reminder not to go look at other places. Right. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. My pleasure. How old are you, if I may ask you? Thirteen. Thirteen. Nice. Great. He got the permission from. The and he parents. got permission from his parents as well. Great. Are your parents there? Do they want to ask a question? Uh, no. Excellent. Um, All right. And be, you're very brave. You asked your, your question clear. You're able to ask a second question. You're able to clarify what you weren't sure. And most of all, when you did it, you said thanks. Um, the thing that really got me more calm is I was listening to, to the, the person right, right before me. And like that put me really more calm. So I like, usually, that, I'm not that I'm stage fan. It's just that I, get, I got more and more calm. That's right. So the longer you're on the line on hold and you're hearing what's happening, that, as we did with her, it relaxed you. Exactly. And when you're going to be speaking publicly, know that that is the secret. You want to be up at that stage. You want to practice. You want to be in front of people speaking. And you'll see how it gets easier. The first time I spoke publicly was in front of 15 people. Then I didn't speak for a while. And then the next time was about 700 people at graduation. And the next one was about 2,500 people. Yeah. And each time it was scary. For the first three minutes into the speech. And after that, it just smoothed itself out. All right. Thank you for calling Thank in. you. So I'll, I might call back if I get, I'll tell you how I'm like getting Ooh, better. Please call back next week. Let's see how your focus is doing. And let's see how easy you are now within yourself. Okay. Thank You're you so brave. Much. Really great, Joe. Yeah. Go to Miss okay. L. Miss L. Miss L, you're on with Mordechai Anissim. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, Fantastic. Well, I'm really enjoying your show. I really look forward to them. Wow. And I'm so I'm, I was having a whole time on the line now that I should be able to get my chance because I was worried because time was going on and I thought maybe I won't be able to get my chance tonight. Well, Baruch Hashem, I did. <laughs> wow. Let's both thank Hashem that, I'm, that we're able to take you on and your question was able to get on. Yes, I want to actually have a few questions. I don't know if I'll get to all of them today, but Probably I have one not. question. <laughs> I have one question that... I don't want to say the first. So I get very, when anything happens, I take things very emotionally, and I always relate it to myself. And it bothers me from, it bothers me from doing anything like any tasks. I mean, usually I could do what I have to do, but I do it much slower and Hold not on, let's stop a second. How old are you? I am 17. 17, Okay. So your issue is that when you got to do something, a task, you get very emotional into it? No. I didn't, maybe I didn't express my question clear enough. So when something happens, something that seems scary to me or something that happens... Give me an example. I like a grounded example. You're in a car and someone almost missed you. You got an um, 80 on a test and that's scary. No. No. So tell, give um, me an example. Something in the world happens that's scary. Oh, so something in the world happened. Let's say yeah. the story that happened in Eretz Yisrael yeah. in the shul, in the Bismarck. Perfect. The That's perfect true. example. Yes. And what happens? So I I get very, for the first thing, I get scared. And instead of like, at home, everyone tells me, you know, like the first thing, obviously, you're supposed to, why, why are you relating yourself? Why are you bringing yourself into the picture? What is, you know, never this is what happened. And 
you know, try to do something for them, but why are you relating it to yourself? I start thinking things that I'm not supposed to about myself. So let's stop a second. Let's take your question. Your question is that when something happens in the world, you right away take it to yourself, and right away you blame yourself for certain avarice that you might have done or certain mitzvahs that you didn't do, and that's why it happened to them? Is that your question? No. no. More like I start thinking that Hazam, this is going to happen. Uh, it might happen to you or to your family member. Right. Okay, good. Now, how often do you have this? Um... Quite often. I worked with it a lot, so... I Let's guess stop. Don't, don't go to what you work with. Let me just ask a question or two. Do, does, does any of your parents have this? No. Do any of your brothers and sisters have it? Yeah. How many? Two siblings. Two siblings. So chances are one of your parents has it. Um, could be. Could you think which one of your parents, whenever there's a tragedy, hey, let's go say to Hillam right now, let's go Davinoy, Bashef, I hope it doesn't happen to us. No, it doesn't sound like that. No. They're more calm and always, you know... Uh, know okay. is, are any of the parents trying to relax everyone else? There's nothing to worry about. Yeah. Okay. Mother or father? Only if you want to answer it on ear. You don't have to answer it. Don't answer but it. I'd rather father. you don't answer it. I don't, I don't even... Oh. Okay. I, I don't want to go there because then sometimes we get the calls. Please delete it. My kid called and speaking about the family members. All right. right. So let's understand that when we are very emotional... Part of the education that we need to give our children is, if we are an emotional person, how to balance the emotions. So I am a highly emotional person. I am. But we also need to balance that. So sometimes a client can tell me, you know, I, know, I noticed that you saw me and how did I look or something. I go, no, for me to turn on my clinical head, I need to actually turn on a button. Right. When I'm home and sometimes a client can go, can you please go in for a couple minutes? I go, no, 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 I'm now in family head. It's a different brain. And to switch minds... Sometimes it's easy to do, sometimes it's not. And let's now take this question to you. Your emotional feeling button is on at all times. So right. something happens, you're worried. You might not do well on the test, you're worried. You hear something happen to a friend of yours, you're worried. It's coming Rosh Hashanah and Kippur time, you're worried. But I'm not worried about them. I relate it to myself. Of course, that is what the emotions are. That is how the subconscious... If someone gets sick, if I hear someone that's on, that's like I start relating to myself and get worried that's about right. them. That's right, exactly. And the way to deal with it, one of the ways, first of all, there are many, many ways to deal with it. And it's probably not going to happen on this phone call. But we're just going to explain to you is that the goal is to teach you how to use your emotional brain. We need to learn how to do it. Mm. How do you know? How do you try turning it off? So a lot with saying, you know, reviewing in my head that, some, you know, some runs the world. I'm not one that runs there, I may as well. Good, that was logic, that's logic, and that's great for a logical time, but what about for the emotions? So, the someone told me to do things, to start like... That's again, many times logical, a lot easier emotion. First step, that the emotions need to express it. I am afraid that this and this and this and this and this will happen to me, Hasushama. This and this and this will happen to my parents, and this and this Hasushama will happen to that. First, we need to express each of them. And I'm afraid a person will have a gun, I'm afraid a person will have a knife, and I'm afraid that a dog will do this. You need to first express the emotions. Right. Then the next step is when we start going deeper. If it will happen to you, Hashem, what is your fears? Many times it's a step deeper. I'm afraid of Gehenna. I'm afraid of whatever it should be. But it's not a simple question. At least the reason why I ask is if it's from the family, 
if family members have it and if a parent has it, because that's usually we need more ingrained, like it has to be more one-on-one. If it's like a one-time thing that something happened and since then it happened, then it's much simpler to heal. But I call it generational, sometimes Yerusha energy is how I call it. And that is, it's a little different to deal with how to treat than if you do um, just like that. Right, but you want to be emotional. Sometimes you don't want to just make believe like nothing happened. That's a, that's my always my problem. It, like you want to have a balance of it, right? Because you don't want to be like not an emotional person. When you hear something, just continue happy go lucky your life. And so, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be emotional to a certain level, right? Certain extent, but. What is the extent? What's, uh... um, I'm going to just say we just created the awareness, but I cannot give you the answer al regalachas on one foot. It's a little bit more complicated than that. All right. All right. Okay. I'm so glad that you stayed on, that you called in, that you held on, and you're very brave for calling in. But the answer is a bit more complicated. Okay. Fine. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Harnissen, yeah. who's next? Mrs. M. Mrs. M, you're on with Mordechai. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure and honor. May I give you a bracha that we should never, ever need any of your services ever Amen. again? Amen. Amen. May the Rabbi not Shalom like help us along those lines. Not like you're not doing wonderful job, Chas I got but, you. May the Rabbi Shalom just send us the geula. That is so much a simpler Amen. greater bracha. Why just do me? There are so many other medical fields out there. May Hashem never need us. May we have a whole bunch of Nissan's contractors building your Shalayim, building Eretz Yisrael, building the Beis HaMikdash. Amen. 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 Yes, great. Now let me have another bracha, please. <laughs> okay, so I also give a bracha that they should find a cure to all, any type of sicknesses that are out there. Anybody that is sick should be cured, and Alzheimer's should be, there should, find, there should be a cure for Alzheimer's. Amen. And the caregivers and everybody that's out there should all have the kayach to be able to to deal with these type of patients. Amen. Amen. Especially Alzheimer's. Ah, such a such a heavy illness. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And for the caregivers. And if you could get a person with Alzheimer's, which I do, to get you to, to tell you their name, this is this is Shungit. I will share with you a story. My grandfather was Nifter a couple of months ago, and he suffered from Alzheimer's, but what a tzaddik. But let me tell you this. There are times that he did not know who us children or grandchildren were, but you know what was amazing? My mother, her sister, and my uncle, every day they put on him tefillin, and even though he had no idea who wow. we are, when we put on the Shal Rosh and the Shal Yad, he would turn the Ritzuas on his own hands, and he would like make a bracha, but he wouldn't know who we are, and it was ingrained on such a level. Wow. And if we could realize, and that's one of the riots, I usually don't tell people that it's my grandfather, but there's a part of our brain that when we do over and over, it gets ingrained in right. our subconscious, and you see it, that they might forget so many stuff, but when something is on a deeper level ingrained, that's never forget. That will be from the last things that are forgotten. True. That is so true. Yes. And also, the person gives it to them in a message that is loving. They will also be more macabre oh, to the. That's right. To they the, regress. To the message. Yes, they regress to a level where they don't understand words, but they do understand emotions. And Absolutely. when we speak from love, they will respond with love. And 
Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I, my question tonight is, Yantas is coming up tomorrow, Mitzvah Hanukkah. Yes. And getting together with social situations sometimes could be, meaning like a Hanukkah party together sometimes for the family could be sometimes very traumatic. Challenging. Challenging. Yes. Challenging is word. a nice word. I would have used the words traumatic. It's trauma. My question is, how do we tip it off before this happens? And yes, we do sit down and we do explain it and and so on and so forth. But how do we beat it off before beat it off by the past of this day? Okay. Well, number one, we need to identify what are the triggers. Is it a brother, a sister? Is it a brother-in-law, sister-in-law? Is it a daughter-in-law, son-in-law? Is it a mother-in-law, father-in-law, mother and father? Who is it? In the AA terms, and they, they call it qualifiers. Who's the trigger? We so first what happens if you don't know who the qualifiers Impossible. are? Because when you're at a Shabbos Suda with certain family members, it's calm. And then you're at a Shabbos Suda with another family member, and then, <laughs> Or so it could be you individually with everyone is good, but then also you could have those two siblings together, and then poof, we've got an explosion going on. So we, the first step to make any changes is awareness. We need to first know what are the triggers, what are the effects. Step one. So if we know it's a son-in-law and daughter-in-law, then we start speaking to them, saying, you know, we're having a party, a Hanukkah party. I want you to feel the best. I want you to feel safe and comfortable. What can I do special? And they'll say, no, everything's what okay. What happens if you're dealing with somebody that has emotional problems and they can't exactly verbalize it so much. So again, are we talking about, let's say, someone with Alzheimer's, or are we talking about... No, 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 no. not somebody with Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is horse in color, totally. Of course. Yes, so I want to understand exactly what you are... Like, I We're need dealing to... with a person that has emotional problems, and anything you say to this person will make them flare up. You look at them the wrong way. We'll let's, okay, so now, now let's assume that they're a close family member, like a brother, sister, daughter, or son, that you can't not invite them, or you can't invite them later. Because sometimes they could be an uncle. Sometimes they could be a great aunt, where you want to do chesed and have them come to the party. But you might not have to bring them, and you might make two parties. You might have one for the immediate family, and then one say, this is chinuch. And chinuch is that we respect our elders, no matter how painful they are, but we have the right to limit it. And if one right. child can't deal with it, you could say, you don't have to come to this party, but you still want to have the family there. What happens if it's an intimate child, like where you can't not have them come? Then there are several steps we can do. We can first tell them, you know, you get so many, you get pained when so many people come. How would you like to come later in the party? I'll take you out somewhere special, just me and you. And this way, you will, I'll have the party with you and I understand you. And to that family party, only come for 20 minutes or a half hour. And this way, we tell them for their sake. This way, you won't get hurt or you can go to your room or I'll give you whatever it is you'll work out with them, their plan. 
You might be able to... Yeah, dis- but what happens, what happens if it's not in your house and it's somewhere else and you don't have the power to do that? Again, and so like, I, say, I just it's have... A, it's, le- what happens, it's like it's a two, three-hour drive from the house and you don't have the power to say to the child, oh, it could only come for a half an hour when it's a two, three-hour drive. Well, first of all, we start dealing with this. Now we address it. If you're going to come to this party, this and this will happen. How about you don't come? Or let's come up with three or four solutions that we could do. Maybe you'll okay. stay in the car and we all can play. If you have a smartphone, you can play on Tati's phone, whatever game uh, it is. We don't know nothing. The only thing that's smart is the Rabbi Nishalai one. Oh, I don't, I don't, for I don't have no, I, I still have a flip phone yet. Great. No, my point is, well, I don't have a cell phone at all. So your, small, your phone is smarter than my phone. But uh, <laughs> the point is, there are solutions when you understand what the issue is. And we need to identify the issue, and then we need to identify, are the, is there a solution to limit the amount of time the person's there? Is there a solution to get them something special? Is there a solution to to not have the person come at all? Is there a solution well, I to talk? I don't think that's... I don't think that's a solution to have not have the person come at all. Well, that is we a solution. Per- we might not like that solution, but that is a solution. And we might choose to say every other time. We don't have... There are some parents that say, this kid has to come every single time. Why? Not always. This person might want to go somewhere else at that night. They might have another Hanukkah party. But, but that's, not, that's not an option, though. Okay, now, now let me just clarify. The difficulty in your question is that there's a lot of private information that you don't want to share, but it's also very difficult for Correct. me to come up with ideas or, or to just give you some of the tools. But the concept is... That if not you, then you and your spouse to sit down and go, okay, this and this is the issue. This child's got major emotional issues. How do we work it out that they will explode and they will blame? What happens if you don't have a spouse? Okay. Well, then do you have a best friend? Do you have two best friends? Do you have sisters, brothers? Do you have a yes. parent? Do you have any children, married children that you can speak to? Or even not single yet. children? Do you, have, do you have a Rav or a Rebetzin that you can speak to? Know that you're not alone, and if discuss- not... I wouldn't feel dis- comfortable discussing this with them. Okay, then that, then that would be my first step. The first step I'd recommend to you is to start creating a support system that you can be okay. open and honest with and share it with them because going through something like this alone is horrible. I should tell you that will be the first step. I'm a therapist. People like on air like, like to whitewash things how they are, but I get to see the dirty, ugly side. Not to say it's bad. No, I'm not whitewashing anything. No, it's, I'm not saying you are. I'm just sharing. I'm just saying I'm when not, people ask. I'm not going to put things painted no, on the radio. No, thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. I had no idea. I had no idea that I, I did not mean you in any which way. No, I'm sorry. Please let me clarify. I, I would have, if had I meant you, I would have never said it. What I'm saying is that many times people on ear would share, a, would share a little point and I hear so much more. And in my therapy office, they can really be open and share how painful it is. And that's what I meant. What I meant is many times not about you. And what I, and what I want to share is that the first step that is needed is a support system. Two, three people. You, you're sounding like, let's say, if there isn't a spouse, even if you are married or if you're not, or for whatever happened, a single mother, do you know how difficult it is, how many things you go through? And the amount of times sometimes I work with a spouse where their husband is just emotionally not there. And they say, I don't even have the benefit of anyone looking at me like Rahmano. So people can tell me, wow, you're so lucky, you and your husband. While people say, do you know how I really feel? 
So uh, we need to recognize... If people, if people would know how people would really feel, people would, a lot of times, either be quiet or walk away. That's what I they would agree. do. I agree. I agree. Because here's the thing. If you can't say anything positive, don't say anything at all. Oh, so true. Let's, let's just... It, yeah, let, it, let's take it, your question. It, that, I, that's just the thing, you know... If you, if you have nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. Let me ask you another question. Is it possible the place where you're going to go to, let's say, two, three hours away for you to speak to them and tell them, look, this is my situation. I have a child. I have a brother or a sister, whoever it did is. That. And what do they say already. when you ask them, this is what's needed? I am part they're gonna, of... They're going to try to accommodate me, they, they told me. Excellent. So now, and now if you tell them, instead of trying to accommodate, not instead of, can we come up with a whole team of action? Let's say it's a brother. Let's make the assumption that you have a brother that's not well, that gets very angry, and you are such a nice sister that's saying, sorry, as the family, we got to be all together. Now, imagine you'll speak to your other siblings that might get triggered, your brother-in-law, sister-in-law, whoever it should be. And you could say, I, this is just the whole package of me. You can't have me without my children, without my whoever it should be, that brother. Now, what can we come up with? Can we give this kid his special toys? Can we give this brother his special chocolate milk that he likes? Remember, children and people, when they feel special, they feel loved, their behavior is also much better. When they feel lost in the group, when they feel not given their time, they can get triggered. Got it. Sometimes we got to give this kid even a little bit, just give an example. Leeway. Little leeway, a little bit of love. Leeway. I'm also going to share with you a little concept that, again, and I do this on air, I always am hesitant to do it, but it's still so important, so I'm going to do it, and I'll let her listen tell me if it's correct or if not, because he's got so much time over here in his experience as a screener. Physical touch. Let's say... You're going to a brother's house, and let's say you've got this older brother that let's just make the assumption he's autistic. Chas I'm just saying, making up the story. And this autistic, I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay, and this kid can be, this autistic brother can be very wild. Do you know that physical touch works on everyone? That if, let's say, you're going to go to this house and your brother, oh, the, I know that. the healthy I know one, would just tell this kid and give him a hug, and then just try to get a, a hand just on his shoulder a little. When the kid gets wild, or the brother gets wild, you can have a team set up, and you'll go, one, just say the number. One means one brother will say, oh, and he'll tell him, let's say, Yankee, you want to come out with me? And let's say it's a sister. Come, I want to have a catch with you in the kitchen. And just, if you divide the problem person into a team so it's not overloaded, then you can go one, then two, then three. You're, this person might not know what is going on, but all of a sudden, out of the blue, a different one took him out now for 10 or 15 minutes. And mm -hmm. kept him engaged. So what happens is if you can then have a brother-in-law, sister-in-law, if you can have six people and each one has their turn of just 10 to 15 minutes with this person, you have now about an hour and a half rotation where this person is happy getting the attention and it's not overloaded on anyone. Got it. But there's so much here. If I would have more detail, I don't want you to share it because we're on air. Uh, what I'm I just sharing that. with you is when you can be open, when you can have a team effort, a plan in advance, plus the person, the difficult person that has emotional issues will feel loved and respected. We see a change. Now, this is not the answer to all, but it definitely is a plan of action. 
Oh, definitely. This was actually very, very helpful. Yeah, and you might also have different games playing with this person or with this boy or girl. Sometimes they're age, so you can have maybe four, if there will be other kids his or her age, whatever it should be, you might have them play and like take turns. Again, this person, he or she, this emotional child, whatever, should not have any awareness of what's happening. He or she should never feel like a Rahmanus, even if the kid's autistic. If you can go, oh, you're the autistic brother, so we're now taking turns with you. Autistic kids have feelings. I see that all the time, and you call them that. They feel bad. And what we want the family to realize is don't push him away. There are unfortunately so many other people out there that will be willing to grab them. And unfortunately, Oy, the thousands of dollars that we pay then, and then everyone is willing. All it takes is a little love. As they say, a, an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. All it is is an ounce. Love. All humans, every one of us need love. And I, I want to thank those of you that were actually even sending what the chizik was. I have no idea why, but I had that, I shared with you that humanness of me, that moment of doubt. I wonder why people are listening. And now, I mean... Somehow I'm back to myself. I know why people are listening. Not saying that they wouldn't listen to others as well, but at least I know why they're listening to me. We all go, th go through that. And that little bit of love just goes so far. Harav Nissen. I think that, uh, as, as you say many times, on a, on a, especially in couples that had some problem, and if the other side is not so good, so we have to learn the one side to take care of the other side. So take responsibility on one side, even if the other side, as you said, autistic or somebody else. So we have to learn about this issue. You just really cannot ignore and say, you know, okay, it's not part of my life and I am out of this and I'm not going to no place. This is where the challenge that each of us has his own task and as trial in his life and try out to come and close and basically hug and bring closer these people that need you uh, more than ever. That's my, my opinion. Okay, here we have someone sending us a message. Oh, okay, I shouldn't announce, so I won't announce it. But this person saying about your situation, very painful, they know, and yes, we need Mashiach. Yes, Amen. I agree with that. Um, we've Amen. Got, thank you for your caller, and I'm glad if I was able to shed just a little bit of light. You definitely did, and everybody should have a lichtige, feilich Chanukah. Amen. Amen. May we be zeich, as we know, the schus of the Neir's Chanukah is for Taira, and Klal Yisrael at the most darkest times, at a time that the Rebbein Shalom practically, like, stopped sending Nisim Geluyim at that time, and it's from the last, like, Nez Goli that we see that the Rebbein Shalom has changed nature, and that was a reminder for us, once we're going into Golis to that level, the Rebbein Shalom is with us, Every single second, and every single second, this world is being recreated and being continued and by the Rabbi Nishleilam. So if we can take that Koyach, the message of the nice Hanukkah, that he's with us every step of the Amen. way. Amen. And I want to tell you the very big sgula to the parents, basically, in front of the candle, when they sit in, take, sit in front of the Hanukkah and pray it for the kids. It's, it's a very well-known sgula. I don't remember the rabbi that said, but I know that myself, I do it in many years, sitting in front of Hanukkah and you know, doing a big list what I'm asking from the Kadosh, from the light of Hanukkah, Kadosh Baruch Hu, 
that will light our kids, our our family, our Am Israel, with extra tvuna, extra uh, knowledge how to be a Oved Hashem and Mefot HaNefesh and Guf. It's big zgula. Okay, so we have uh, Mrs. Uh, S.H. Mrs. S.H., you're on the air. Hi. Yes. Chris, thanks, fa- thanks for this show. I know a lot of people enjoying it, including myself. Thank you. Okay, and my question is as follows. Um, how, if possible, I don't know if you can answer it at once, can I disconnect myself from my children's actions? Like, when my child doesn't listen or they don't talk nice to the neighbors, they say, like, I become so weak. I, I, I don't know what I, I become, like, physically. I, I'm sure it's, like, I may be too much emotionally involved, and I become, like, weak sometimes to such an extent that I, like, can become, like, a, have a blurred vision. Like. So let's explain, because we got, like, several questions where people wanted me, now, like, texts about the girl that called up with her fears, and they identified, they thought they're the only ones. So I'm going to do it pretty simple on why I didn't go into it. We have a power in our brain. There's a top part of the brain, which is almost three-quarters of our brain, and that's called the cortex. And you have mm-hmm. the prefrontal cortex. That's the front of it. We've got the occipital lobes and the back of the cortex, which is like where we see. But it's about three-quarters of our brain, and that is the logical thinking part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Then we have the more center part of the brain. That's called the amygdala. That part of the brain is the feelings and emotions. They are two mm-hmm. separate parts of the brain. In the early 1950s and even 1960s, and as before they got the fMRI, where they used to think those right brain and left brain it was only divided to right and left side, which is one side is the emotional side, one side is the logical. Today, it's so much more advanced. It's not just right and left. It's also the cortex area, the amygdala area, and there are so much more to the parts of the brain where it's thinking, where it's emotions. Mm-hmm. And what we need to understand is that there are two different parts of the brain. So those therapists that do cognitive behavioral therapy, they do cognitive, which is the thinking, the cortex part, with the behavioral component, which is also in part of that brain. And you want those two to affect the emotion because they are connected, which mm-hmm. means that if we're afraid of something, we tell ourselves, don't be afraid. Or all of a sudden we get something that gives us confidence, like, oh, if we have this Sometimes if a kids would have a mother's something with them in their bed, like a, a mother's shirt, then they okay. feel safe. It's a feeling. So the cognitive saying, I can feel my mother, even though she's not there, it will ease the emotions. That's more cognitive and behavioral mm-hmm. therapy. So we change our thought process about the feelings. Why do I feel this way? What will, what will assure me? However, mm-hmm. a lot of people that suffer from anxiety, that means that the emotional part of the brain cannot be calm now with just logic. And then I use a different type therapy, which is more subconscious type. When I use subconscious, it's not when you're hypnotizing someone. It's when you're awake, but mm-hmm. you're able to connect to the feelings and you're able to start talking to it. Why is it there? How did it start? How do we deal with it? And I that, keep on doing that. I know that, but that is where you need someone else to work on you. So I uh-huh. share with people that every week I used to take for the last couple of years, every second week, a therapy session on me. And that's an hour and a half session, a double session. Mm-hmm. The last probably six to eight weeks, I've been having every single week an hour and a half session on me because I'm doing so much in my life. And there's a lot of stressors coming right. along with what I do. 
But we need to be learned. We need to learn how to identify what are those emotions. So one of the simple systems is called journaling, where you write with your left hand because with your right hand, if you, that's if you're righty, you write with your left hand because right. you want to get it out of your control, your logical thinking, and just start writing. This bothers me. That bothers me. Once you're going to write the seventh or eighth thing, you're going to start getting to the inner stuff. Uh-huh. You want to have 25 to 35 to even 40 points down there. Mm-hmm. Another point that you can do is just start writing your thoughts, random thoughts as it comes, cat, dog, camera, yeah. test, mother getting upset, mm-hmm. I failed a test, when I was sixth grade, I made fun of a teacher, you're going to start seeing those random thoughts that come up without mm-hmm. analyzing them. many of those fears of those thoughts are what's causing the fears, I wasn't good, I failed a test, the class made fun of me, and you'll start recognizing what's going on through those feelings. Now, my difficulty is that people want answers, I have anxiety, I'm so afraid. I'm sorry, I can't give you that. Just like we don't take parenting questions under the age of eight because it's a tool, a skill-based anxiety and how to learn to control and identify the emotional part of the brain is a process. It can't be done in three minutes. What we could do is we can create the awareness that it's possible to work on, very possible. I did work on my anxiety. I did have anxiety. I know how to deal with anxiety. I guess it's just a continuation from there. Yeah. Like it's, so let's go Mm -hmm. ahead now let's hear your question again so what is your question so my question is um when my child misbehaves not always misbehaving like if she doesn't share or she does like says like silly comments how old is your kid she's still young i know that that i'm here to be here wait answer the question how old she i'm like five and is she your oldest kid yes exactly and that's why it's a parenting question Oh, it is? Of course. Uh, but I really don't care. It's like myself, how to disconnect, no? Yes. Because when I'm a teacher, it can also sometimes happen. I take it, like, to heart. I, okay. Now, let's not call it an anxiety question. Let, uh, sorry, let's not call it a parenting question. And let's call it an mesh question. So now let me ask you, since you're meshing with everyone, that means with mm-hmm. your class and with your children, which mm-hmm. one of your parents who don't answer this mesh with you, that they need to speak to you? And then when they're happy, you're happy. When you're happy, they're happy. So don't answer. Just tell me if you know which one. I, I actually, um, I don't know if it's one specifically, but when somebody is happy, I'm happy. When they're angry, I'm angry. I am asking you to take it a generation back. You're such a professional measure <laughs> that I'm pretty sure that you've learned this from one or both of your parents, if not even further back to grandparents. <laughs> Couldn't be. Yes. So recognize that what they were not able to teach you, which is part of not Hashem blaming anyone, just saying mm-hmm. what we also need to teach is to separate us from our children as well. Now, separate does not mean don't right. care about them. Exactly. That's so, what I want to do. That's right. Exactly. Ah, but you want to know how to do something that you weren't taught yourself. Oh, I and guess. That, and that is something where it takes a couple of lessons how uh-huh. to get there, which is there could be a session of, first of all, how can you allow yourself to make mistakes? What will happen if you won't feel for your kids automatically when I, or we'll ask you if you'll feel a little separation, a little distance that you won't feel everything right away. You're going to go, oh, I'll be a terrible mother. Then I won't feel. Then we got to like, we're going to have to do how to... I don't want what mm-hmm. you know. I want to know what you feel. If I would ask you, if you're not going to feel so much, everything by you is a feeling of a 10, from 1 to 10, and 8, 9, 10. What would mm-hmm. happen if you'll have at times a 4 and a 5 and a 6? Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Life will be so boring. Life will be so painful. I deal with people all day, and I used to be one of those. I call myself a recovering emotional addict. 
I loved the ups and downs, but boy, was it debilitating. Mm -hmm. Boy, how many times we're held back of doing tasks as we're afraid of those emotions that will come, the ups and the downs. <gasps> I should do that. You know how heavy it's going to be? I can't imagine doing that. In fact, I was just going to do something, and I told the person that I work with, Hanukkah, I said, you know, just thinking about this task is overwhelming me. I've got like five, six tasks going on now of major projects. I can't mm -hmm. take, just thinking that I'll do something after Pesach, I can't handle that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um... So you, you would say that I should go for, like, therapy for help? Or uh, like yes, go to someone that has experience with emotions. It doesn't have to be a social worker. It doesn't have to be a major, just someone. It could be an asking someone that you know that has experience with feelings. Mm -hmm. And do me a favor, not the parent that you're so meshed-like, that they're just like you, that they'll tell you, I will teach you how to disconnect. If they would, then they wouldn't be the ones teaching it to you. Right. So we're not blaming them, Chas Shalom. Just many times, us parents, we could be amazing but we'll be missing one or two points, just like I know what I am not teaching my kids. And hopefully I hope that they'll pick it up from my wife the other side, which she's mm -hmm. got the balance. And if they won't get it from her, then it's their achrayas. That's why they're alive to learn it on their own. Uh -huh. But there are places where to learn it. We cannot be perfect as parents. We're going to leave something for our spouse to teach. The point right. is, are we continuing to grow? All right. Okay. And would you recommend like this is in a situation of that girl having fears and like, applying it to herself i would say that fears do go with you oh right and like in such a situation do we need like therapy or i can just like live with it how do you think it's gonna well give it a shot let's see if it doesn't work then you go for therapy what it try it on your own or try with that asking or with that friend and if it doesn't work then go to someone that's licensed and experienced and trained in this oh and you, you mean it's just like the same and it's, yeah, all the same, it's the same issue here. Uh -huh. If the person will be able to help you on one, we'll be able to help you with all. Uh -huh. They're both I the see. same. You take everything very personal. Your filter to the emotion to have an on and off switch, an intensity level. Like imagine your heating system is going to be on to 74 degrees even during the summer. Mm -hmm. There's a time when you hit the thermometer to heat and time to cool. And if mm -hmm. by you it's always on heat, always feeling when it's time to be on cool then what will happen right. to the system? Right. And there are times when we need to have it on cool. There are times we need to let our children learn. There are times we need to let our class learn from their mistake. There are times we need to give a punishment. Right. Or that consequence, whatever we want to call it. But there are times we got to do that. And you're going to have a very hard time doing it. Yeah, I learned that already, right. I know what okay. you learned, but in reality, <laughs> it's very hard. You're going to hesitate right. to do it. It's right. going to be a bigger punishment for you to do it than for the students. And that's why you're going to hesitate to do it. But you're going to need right. to do it and be easy with it. Mm -hmm. I thank see. You. So you. Thank you so much. You're I very welcome. Your and thank you for being brave to call in. Okay. Have a great night. Merit Hashem. Slucha. Um, Amen. Everything you do. Amen. Oh. Mrs. R, you're on with Mordechai. Yes. Hi. Yes. Um, I, I really absolutely love your show. Oh, thank I have you. to tell you, I listen all the time. I have a daughter in Lakewood that listens over the phone because you don't come in in Lakewood. Right. Uh, yeah, she listens over the phone. I just want to tell you, after this call, I, you, know, you, you keep it saying, why do people like the show? Because you're not just a therapist now. Now you're an educator. You're educating the alum on all these different different issues. 
You Thank started you. the show with something, and I was thinking, I don't remember exactly how you put it, it was but a, I was thinking the answer to that problem of people blaming, yes. blaming someone else, the answer is education. Yes. Awareness. Awareness. Yes. Yes. Right. Thank you. And I was, okay. I was sharing on my phone line, just today I read five messages of people, whether they grew up in a family or they were married in a situation or they married someone that there was major denial going on and how they bettered their life, and it took them almost six to eight months of therapy to realize, but now their life has changed around once they realize that it's them. Someone in denial really, really, really believes it's not them, really is upset at the system, is really upset at everything that goes wrong, and they are 100% sure, at least 98% sure that it's not them. Yes, they might have a problem, but they're not the cause for it all. Well, the reason I'm calling you is about your art therapy and your music therapy. Yeah. I just, you looked at it, and it is a form of therapy. But I want to give you another use that I use the art therapy for. Please. I happen to have been a reading teacher, and I worked in a resource room, and the principal called me and told me, listen, we have these fifth and sixth graders. They, they can't read, and they're walking the hallways. They don't want to go. Uh, uh, attend any class. We can't keep them in the classroom. And how are we going to graduate them if they can't read? I want you to uh, give them reading lessons. So I had these kids. Now, these kids were totally turned off. I mean, by fifth and sixth grade, if their reading is very poor, they're totally turned off. Yes. And they're not interested in attending my class. Yes. One of them had recognized that I was also, uh, I taught art. I taught painting. And she said, I don't want to do reading. I want to do art. And yes. I said, oh, what a fabulous idea. The only thing was that the school hadn't hired me as an art teacher. They yes. hired me as a reading teacher. So I timed the lesson. I said, okay, we're going to have art classes, but we're going to have it. Um, it's going to overlap with recess. Do you mind if you have to give up your recess for the art lesson? They said, wow. oh, no, you know, we'll do that. I said, wow. fine, okay, we're going to have 20 minutes of reading. And after that, we'll have art. And I picked the easiest medium, which were pastels, because I was in a resource room, not in, a, yes. <laughs> not in an artist uh, uh, classroom. And, um, and, after th and they were anxiously trying to do the reading, and then we, did, we took out the papers, and we did the drawing, and we did the pastels, and I hung the pictures up in the resource room so that the other children saw what was going on. Wow. And before you knew it, I had a whole group of girls coming to the reading class because they heard that there were art lessons going on afterwards. Yes. And with Baruch Hashem, we were successful with the reading. We got so them to read. So as you said, I do education. I'm not a therapist. You are not a teacher. You are a healer. And healers are people that will take out of nothing, will create a masterpiece. And whatever it is that you have, you would have turned around those children and you would have right. found. And what we call in the therapeutic world, and that sometimes I get a little frustrated, not frustrated is the wrong word, where it's difficult for me when I deal with parents, especially I need to connect to teenagers. It's the first thing that he teaches is how to create a therapeutic alliance. It means first I need to connect with the kid and the kid to trust me or the teenager, even the adult, before we're able to start the therapy process of identifying pains or difficulties. I usually am able to do both together and even thankful to this program because people hear me so they get to know me already. So when they come into the therapy room, they there's like they I can 
can go straight into business. But many times I can't. And the frustration is when, when parents go, they came to you twice already. Why don't I see changes? So today I give myself, ask, well, give me between three and five sessions to see change. But that pressure, sometimes we need to connect. Like those kids, imagine you would have gone straight to the resource just reading. Right. No, I couldn't even get them to sit down. That's right. That's right. Reading? And people would realize. Exactly. So that's another great medium where you first engage the person, you created the therapeutic alliance, and now you're able to start the process and work it out with them. Right. That is right. amazing. And people, and the reason I'm telling it to you on the air is I'm not talented in music, let's say music therapy, but somebody who is could reach children the same way. That's right. And it's and you know what? You don't realize it, but you're rewarding them, and you're not rewarding them with candy, with junk, with uh, prizes. You're rewarding them with a skill, and they yes. were very anxious to learn this skill. Yes, yes, so true. It is amazing. And for all the parents listening, for us to recognize that sometimes we're so busy teaching the kids that they should do well in life that we forgot to connect to the loving part. I find it so much easier with my clients to connect and talk with someone than when I need to spend it with my kids. When those I come home and can I know her, I want to take care of them all at the same time. Let's just create a little bit, a little bit of those pastel colors with our kids. Let's just do a little, you know, whatever it should be just with the crayons. Let's play with them on the floor. Let's actually sit on the floor and connect to them. And it's interesting when it's not our children how much easier it is. But it's yeah. still, let's do that. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Anyhow, keep up the good work. We Thank enjoy you. the programming. Ah, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Good night. Good night. Miss R, you're on with Mordechai and Nisim. First. Hello. Yes. Hi. Um, I like to know um, what I'm supposed to do in a certain situation. Um, right now, what's going on is that all my so-called friends are telling me all their problems at home, problems with life, and they're just grasping onto me as if I'm their security blanket, and they're just not letting go that I could go at, go ahead and make normal friends and be a normal person. Yes, and what is your question? First of all, you're a natural therapist. And tell them that, you know, I want some time for myself and... Let's do some role play. I want you to be the friend, the friends, and I will be you. So what name, what, what, uh, let's, what letter did you give? R? Yeah. All right, so I'm R. And you be your friend, so call me R. R? Yeah, hi, how are you? I'm good. I want to tell you something that happened in my house last hold night. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That almost sounds like you're turning me into a therapist. I'm your friend. <laughs> right, that's the whole problem. Hold on, hold on, you're still them. What would they respond? I'm actually speaking that way. Whoa, hold on, we're friends. That sounds like a therapist. What, what's, let's just talk regular about school, about baking. What are you doing? What are we, we have a midwinter, we have now Hanukkah break two days. What are you doing? That's not... What would they do? You're playing them. I'm playing now R. They would answer me. So answer. Tell me what they would do. I'm going out with my friends. I don't know yet what I'm doing. Okay, would you want to hang out? Could we make some plans? Okay. Okay, so where do we go to? Let's make some plans. 
Oh, let's go shopping. Okay, great. Where do you want to go shopping? Do you notice how the conversation is now going to that? One of the ways we stop what we don't want is we have an alternate... Step one, we have an alternate subject prepared. Step two is we're aware of what our role is. It's not therapy. And step three is if they try, try to shift it back. But I need to tell you what happened last night. Do that. I need to tell you what happened last night. Oh, but that, you know, sometimes when you talk to me, it's like too heavy for my age. I'm only, how old are you? 16. I'm only 16. These things need someone that can deal with it. I only have the brains of a 16-year-old. Right. The, the problem is that they won't go to someone else to... Continue, so go act him. I'm still, I'm still Ms. R. I'm still 16-year-old R. Push me. Come on, push me. I don't want to go to any... You know, let's switch around. You're R and I'll be your friend, okay? Okay. Do you know what happened last night? I had such a fight with my mother. I need to tell you all about it. Um, I'm not really so in the mood of listening to it right now. Why don't you tell it to someone Why else? Why are you so mean? You don't want the mood of listening mean. to it? You're mean. You're very mean. Aren't you a good friend? If you would be my good friend, then you would be listening. I you mean to listen, but sometimes it's just too much. Why is it's too much? Everyone talks to you. I, I always tell you all these things. But sometimes I feel that you should talk to someone else. I can't talk to anyone. Me. You know I can't trust anyone. You're the only one I can talk to. The only one in the entire world. I hope you're not going to drop me now. Everyone drop me. Whoever I have always drops me. You can't do that to me. Please, please don't. Come on, Mizar. Be tougher. Maybe you should really try to talk to someone else. On All over. right, let's try something else. Mizar, I want you to be R. Mizar, and I'm going to be a friend. I'm having major chest pains. It might be a heart attack. I need to talk to you about it. Can you please help me out? What? Uh, I'll be having a heart attack. Can you please help me? Um, I don't know. Why not? I need to tell you. I need you. Tell me what to do. I don't know. I never heard CPR. How do you know? Maybe it's not CPR. Maybe I need something else. I don't know. You get a defibrillator. Okay, get a defibrillator. Get it now. Hey, and I don't know. Help me. What do you mean, Anne? Help me. I'm asking you to help me. So you apply it. Where? What? How? I've never used one before. You read the instructions. Okay, get me a defibrillator now. Okay. Okay, what? Where is it? <laughs> it's next to you. No. Do you see how... Do you? Can you do something that you don't know about? No. No. Can you apply something you don't know how to apply? No. And would you say that a heart attack is very serious, that you shouldn't even begin to say defibrillators and things like that? You need to run to a doctor? Yeah. All right. So let's try that. I want you to push me hard. Push me hard, because this is important for all teenagers that are listening. When it's not your role, it's hard. You need to be able to say no, and you need to say, I know this and this teacher, at least we can speak to. Speak to the principal, she'll help us from there. You cannot handle it alone, I cannot handle it alone. Push, come on, push me. You should really go try, you know, try to talk to someone older, someone wiser than me. I can't go to anyone older, you're the only one I could go to. I don't feel that I'm... 
so knowledgeable in this area. Good. That now I want to switch roles. I want you to push me. I am now Ms. R. Push me. I want to show you how I'm going to do it. I will clearly not take the role. Those that are clients of mine know how frustrated they are when I refuse to give answers. That's not my role as a therapist. My role is to help them make their decisions, not for me to take over their lives. Push me, Ms. R. Come on. I so am you I now. really need help. I don't know what to do. I don't want to go to anyone else. I don't trust them. I don't know. So if you're having a heart attack and you want only me to help you, I cannot help you. It will be harming you if I help you by not calling 911 quick enough for Hatsala. You must get help. I will help you. I can speak to a teacher for you. But you can't even tell me about it. You need someone with knowledge and experience to help you. This is not a teenage thing of, oh, I, got a, I didn't do well on the test and I'm nervous. That's teenage talk. Other stuff is more serious. I am not allowed to help you. I'll make it worse if I help you. Right. How clear and strong is that? But, let's put in the positive, I want to be your friend, just your teenage 16-year-old friend. I get this a lot of times, calls with teenagers tell me, a friend confided in me something, what do I do? You tell the friend, you tell me anything, I tell this to a teacher because this is not appropriate for me to handle. It's not age appropriate. Just like someone having a heart attack, their life is in your hands. Don't start trying to tell them it's stress or don't worry about it. It might be serious. You send them to a cardiologist, to a regular doctor, or you call 911 or you go to a cardiologist. It's that serious and you don't have the tools how to deal with it. You're only 16. You might be very smart, very emotional, intelligent, but you're still missing the tools and life experience that goes with it. Right. And if you try helping or listening, you're actually harming it because they won't get the proper attention and advice. But, but how do, could I just go behind their back and just tell someone in order for them to get help? I usually don't like when we go behind their back. Not meaning behind the back, just like... Going over to, let's say, like a teacher and telling them that, you know, this girl needs help. I would like you to realize, what happens if you do that? Let's talk about the pros and cons. What happens if you go over to a teacher and say, this girl needs help? So the pros is that she might really get help and she might not bother me as much with all her problems and weigh me down with that. She will still bother you with all the problems if you don't set up the weakness. So first, let's recognize that that, that you said is true, that she'll have someone else to talk to. Yes. She will not stop unless you set up the boundary. No, she won't have as much as to No, she me. still will. I'm a therapist. People will still kvetch. And I don't mean kvetch in a negative way. Until you set the boundaries. This is my role. This is not my role. Okay, but not as much as they would have been. As much. Because sometimes they like, sometimes they need a safe place. They could just go, oh, it's so painful. While the therapist, they might say it's not so bad. Unless you change roles saying, I'm not here for that. I am here to be a 16-year-old. What do 16-year-olds talk about? Tests, school, clothing, time off, helping the mothers at home, doing chesed. That's a 16-year-old's conversation. That is what I talk about. Now, let me ask you a question to leave you with this. How much of this do you need for yourself? That people come to you with problems and you're that type of person that you feel good when you help others? What do you mean? All right, that's, that's already a much deeper subject. We got to go. How, much, how long do we have? 
one minute. All right, so thank you for calling in, and that was a great role play. We got one question I'm just going to read over here that it was about 10. We got just about a minute left. My 12-year-old son, he saved $100. My wife and I disagree about how to spend it. I feel bad for him. If you feel bad for him, turn that energy to positive and go with your wife to Shalom Bayis or to a Rav to work it out. If you continue to fight with your wife over decisions and you don't learn how to balance it, then don't feel bad for him. Not that you shouldn't feel bad, but you should take the appropriate steps. I hope you forgive me for being this blunt and this direct, but you've got issues with your wife over and over, and the kids will start getting caught up into it if you don't take care of yourself. On that note, may everyone, may we be zeichet to have the Geula Shalema, and this Ner Hanukkah, may we still be zeichet to have it in the Beis HaMikdash with Arna Kayan to light the Menaira, and may we all be zeichet for a wonderful Geula Shalema, a Lechtige, and Freilich and Hanukkah, Harav Nissen. Amen, amen, and Bezat Hashem, the first ner it will be in Yerushalayim, Abnuya, next amen. Uh, tomorrow night. Uh, it will be, you know, just we will announce here, Mashi- tomorrow morning, when I say Mashiach is here, and let's go. Merit Hashem, looking Hashem. forward, looking forward to being out of business. And I apologize to be, be, all the people that are on the phone line and all the texts that we couldn't have them. So apologize, next show, Bezat Hashem. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Mordechai.